and welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast, where we seek to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement congregational care ministry and to provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministries. I'm Reverend Joy Dister Dominguez, and with me today is Reverend Dr. Leanne Hadley. And on today's episode, we're talking about holy listening. So Leanne graduated from Miami University, Oxford of Ohio, uh, where she earned a Bachelor of Arts, and she earned both her Master's of Divinity and Doctorate of Ministry degrees from United Theological Seminary. Leanne's doctoral work focused on designing a model of healing for children. Leanne is an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church and was the founder of the nonprofit First Steps Spirituality Center. She currently serves at Christ Church United Methodist in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, with the Ministries for Children and Teens. She is affirming of LGBTQIA persons and has been working in the area of children and youth for over 35 years. Leanne does consulting for churches and she leads workshops, all designed to strengthen and transform the spiritual lives of children. Leanne's specialty is helping kids to cope with stress and loss, resiliency, uh, self-esteem, and to identify and use their gifts to prepare kids for a lifelong journey with God and a bright future. And she also works with parents and teens for online holy listening and spiritual direction. She's also the author of several books that are excellent. The Golden Cord, When You Pray as a Family, A Walk with God for Women, Touching Heaven, Real Stories of Children, Life, and Eternity, and Blessed to be a Blessing, Sacred Circle Time for Children. So Leanne, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, we are so excited to talk about Holy Listening Stones. And um, we were talking a little bit before the recording how this is such a time when children have big feelings big, big feelings with COVID, with the changes in, um, with schools. And I mean, there's just so much in churches, like there's so much going on and our children have big, big feelings. Um, so I, I wish you would talk a little bit about, um, um, what you're seeing, especially in your expertise of, of children and youth and um, how this time perhaps is different and why holy listening stones um, are just so important right now. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting what I'm seeing from children. Well, they're sneaky little people. Children look like they're fine on the outside. You know, God made us. We all do that. We all act like things are fine. And the, and the great thing about children is that they go on with their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not really until we get to adulthood that we look back and say, that hurt me more than I took time to notice or that affected me. And I didn't really realize that that affected me because children are just sort of wired to keep growing, keep growing, keep going, keep going. And that's what I see in children. I see them being extremely um, positive and resilient and, you know, just looking like they're living their lives. However, if you look deeply at children, they've almost entered this frenetic sort of frenzied thing where they're almost trying too hard to be happy. And I think that that what I'm seeing in children and even little, little children are carrying around like this sort of unfocused anxiety. And I think that we need to name that now with children, help them to get in touch with that. Or I think we're going to have a generation of adults in 20 years who are on psychiatrist couches saying, 
I was really affected by this and no one took the time to sit down with me. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I think it's, 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 it's complex because parents uh, and grandparents are also stressed out. Uh, sometimes the parents are, the grandparents have been distanced from the kids in a lot of cases where they would be the people who kind of came in and were that non-anxious presence. So there's been like an isolation from that sort of extended family. They didn't go to school for a year, year and a half. And so they didn't have that non-anxious teacher. And when they did go to school, the teacher was anxious. So I just think that children are growing up in a little swimming pool of anxiety Mm, and it's affecting them. Yes. And, you know, we do see suicide rates going up. We do see depression going up. And I think we can look at those pockets of children and say, you know, let's get help for the kids who are suicidal. Let's get help for the kids who have identified as um, anxious, as depressed. But I think that the anxiety is affecting all of them. And so the more of them that we can just assume this is an anxious, stressful time and can reach out, we need to be doing that. So I would say every child is affected and churches are in a great position to reach out to children right now. Don't wait until the issues that they're having manifest. It's going to be sure. a disaster in 10 years sure. if we don't do our work now. So you're saying we need to um, be aware that our children are surrounded by anxiety at every turn. Teachers, right. parents, grandparents, I'll say it, pastors. <laughs> right. um, anxiety is everywhere. I mean, and, and the thing is like, of course we need to look for the signs. Of course we need to identify the kids that are really struggling, but to assume that there are struggling kids and kids that are not affected, that is an assumption that is false. Mm -hmm. We can't do that. We can assume that all of us coming out of this, I, my favorite quote is, you know, Dr. Seuss, a person's a person, no matter how small. So, you know, all of the persons who are affected by COVID, which is all of us, um, are affected. And we will look back and say, that's what happened to me. But right now we're in survival mode. We're just moving forward. So we can assume that everybody's affected and that's inclu- that's all of our children. So yes, we need, you know, therapists and people like that to be watching for those signs and help us to identify mm-hmm. the most at-risk children. But sure. all children will be affected. This is, all and I've never seen anything yeah. like this. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's global. It's just absolutely global. And it's, it's, it's not based on your economic status. It's not whether your parents are happily married. None of the sort of resiliency factors um, make it easier or harder for kids. They're all affected. Mm -hmm. And it's affecting every single socioeconomic level. Yes. Yes. That's what I was trying to get and wrap my head around. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more so others. If, if you, if you're going through COVID and you also don't have enough food to eat, sure, uh, of course, Another it's going to affect you more. But children are sort of that, you can just assume that everybody to some degree is affected. None of us are sure. immune from knowing a child that's been affected by COVID or is being affected by COVID. Sure. So I like the keyword you said, unfocused anxiety. And in the past, how would you uh, differentiate focused anxiety to unfocused? Is it just the fact that, like you said, we're in survival mode and we're just trying to, we're in the middle of this. So we just, we don't see an end in sight. Is that, what do you mean? How do you see that different? I think the unfocused anxiety is that they're having a hard time putting words to what they're feeling. So if you focused anxiety, I would say it's like my grandmother died. 
And you know that I am sad because my grandmother died. I am sad because my parents are in the middle of a divorce and they're fighting. I am sad because I didn't make the soccer team. Whatever it is, that's a focused a focused grief, a focused anxiety. I understand why I'm anxious. I think what's confusing about COVID for children is that there aren't really words. They understand that they're afraid of COVID. They understand that they don't want to get sick, but they're also just, they're like sponges. And we, the adults around them, are so crazed. And I'm not even judging us because I'm one of them. We're so crazed that our anxiety is just seeping into them. And so it's making them anxious because they're just living in an anxious time. So you can't say, why are you anxious? And they, they, they say, you know, is it school? No, school's okay. Is it, you know, no, they don't know. So I think that makes it super hard. Naming what's hurting you is so powerful. It makes it go away. It takes it from the inside of you to the outside and you can, you can look at it, examine it, get rid of it. When you can't name it, you don't even know what's in there. So it's a very confusing time. We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Caring Congregation podcast. Check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com for more resources. Also, this weekend, October 22nd and 23rd, we have our national webinar. We would love to have you join us online for two days full of great training and education to equip pastors and congregational care ministers to do great care in the local church. Please check out our website for more information. And now back to our show. And so you designed Holy Listening Stones um, before COVID. <laughs> a long time and yet before. this is such a wonderful uh, uh, tool to help yeah. children with their feelings. So can you tell us what, where the idea came from and how this has developed um, into a, a, a remarkable tool for children? Yeah, so I, um, I started my spirituality center in uh, 2000. Is that right? Yeah. And, um, and when I started, um, so my spirituality center was a place where children would come. It was kind of like community counseling. So our community chaplaincy is what I called it. It was like holy listening. It's just holy listening for children. So children would come there for a variety of reasons and I would talk to them. And I noticed that, um, well, I knew that children don't speak with words. They express themselves through pictures. They express themselves through symbols. You know, they just, they're very, they can show me what they feel easier than they could tell me. So um, a friend of mine actually sent me this book and it was like how to provide spiritual support to your pagan child, something like that. And, um, and she was like, a, she's an interfaith minister, like in Chico, California. She's super cool. Um, and so anyway, she sent me this book and I was looking at it and I thought, wow, they had like cool ideas in there. And, and they had this, I opened to this one page and it was a page of runes, which are fortune telling. I think, I, I, I don't know enough about runes to know, but I think what they are is they're a group of like rocks or trees or something. They have symbols on them. And I think you pick them with your eyes shut or something. You, it tells you the past, the present and the future. And um, I thought, oh, those are so cool. Kids would love these. But obviously, 
I'm not into fortune telling. And so I thought, I wonder what I could do. So I just got a bunch of lima beans out of my cabinet and I markers. And in my rune book, it said like, use something earthy, not anything like, you know, paper. And so I got these lima beans. I put these symbols on them and I made a game. Uh, the question mark, what are you wondering about? The tree, where are you growing? Wow. The sun, what makes you happy? So it was just a game. And I thought kids will look at these stones and they'll answer questions. Well, then they started coming um, to the center and they would pick a stone and I would say, that's a tree. Where are you growing? And they would say, that's not a tree. Well, what is it? That's a nuclear blast. That's what it feels like when they tell you your dad dies and you're at school. Wow. And I was like, oh, whoa. So I took the game card, threw that in the trash, and then I just started laying these rocks out. And I would say to the children, show me how you feel. And they would choose a rock and it would help them take what was inside of them, find a symbol first. And then with that symbol, they were able to make the words to tell me how they felt. And so it deepened our conversations and I've been using them ever since. So I've been using them now for, well, however long ago that was. And it was cute right before I did this podcast today, I had a call, for a text through Messenger on Facebook from a kid who had used the rocks 15 years ago. And wow. he, yeah, and he reached out and he said, I have a question. Um, he's gay and he had a question about, about what, about how to talk to Christians about it. And he said, I knew you'd answer the phone. I knew you'd listen to me. And I said, I'm getting ready to do a thing on, on holy listening with the rocks. And he was like, Oh, I love those rocks. So it was such a, a weird thing for that to happen right before I get on here. And wow. And I haven't probably seen him in 20 years. And yet yeah. he remembers the stones. Wow. Um, so they're really powerful. And, and, yes. and just that it's a tool to help children understand when you feel something, identify it and share it with somebody who will listen to you. That's really the, there's, there's no magic to it. It's just simple listening. And then what I do, I lay the stones out. The children are the ones who know how they feel. I don't have to guess how they feel. I don't have to push. I just listen. So then I'm able to be fully present with those kids and just hear what's going on. And all I do wow. is say, thank you for being so brave and naming that. Wow. It just, mm. um, it makes it so easy. I, I think wow. one of the hardest things when we work with children is that they don't like to talk about their feelings. None of us do. Sure. And sure. children are like stinkers about it, right? Like an adult <laughs> might crack under pressure, but a child is like, nope, not talking about it. Don't want to, want to go play games, want to go play with my trucks. The stones are so attractional to children mm -hmm. that I think it makes them, it like draws them in. And then I also think it's so gentle because they have complete control over it. So I'm never pushing them to say something or go deeper than they want to go. I'm just mm -hmm. creating a sacred space and the rocks do all the work. So I, I can't, I love them. I mean, I know I invented them, but honestly, I'm a believer in the thing I invented. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and I just, you, you just light up when you talk about it as well. And, and oh. it's amazing to see the impact uh, all these years later. Um, they've they've been used with a lot of kids. That's awesome. A lot of kids. And, and so where, where should people start? Obviously we'll have a link to your website and there's also a link to, there's a handout on how to make holy listening stones. But um, for our listeners, where do people start? Yeah. So, um, well, the first thing that you have to do is you have to acknowledge that children have feelings 
and that they need to express them. And the, you know, the game's over. This idea of like childhood is happy and childhood is carefree, let go of that. That's step one because children are people and they have feelings and they need to express them. But obviously, if you're probably listening to this podcast at this moment, you already knew that, but I thought I needed to say it. Um, so I think you start there. And then I think you find a child and uh, you make the rocks. And it's super fun to make them together. It gets super buy-in from the kids, but it's also fun to make them and have them in a little bag and surprise a child. So uh, you get with a child and then you just lay the rocks out. And I usually have a pretty little plate or something. And for those of you who haven't seen the rocks, they're just rocks with symbols on them. And we make them with black markers. So it's almost like the outline of a tree, the outline of a smiley face, almost emoticon-ish. Anyway, so then they're on a little plate and, um, and you say to the child, I know you have feelings. I have feelings too. Let's choose three rocks and tell each other how we feel. The child will pick a rock and then you choose a rock and be honest, be with the child. Tell them how you're feeling. We're all stressed out. And guess what? This will be a great process for you too. So the child trusts you with their soul and you trust the child with your soul and together we do it. So it's super easy. And people say, but what do I say? How do I start? I'm telling you, there's something about just these rocks that children, they, I don't know, you know, when Jesus said, if, if every tongue were still, the rocks would start to sing. I just think of these rocks and I think they sort of speak to children and they say to them, how do you feel? How do you feel? So there's not a lot of prep needed. It's really simple. I would say to people, just do it. Just try it. And, and on my website, there's videos of my grandchildren and I'm just talking with them. And so it shows you how simple it is. So go to my website, watch some of those videos too. Um, and you'll see how simple the process is. That's awesome. So I like how you mentioned that you, you can have these conversations with the stones with your grandchildren. Um, I believe that, I mean, pastors can have these with children in their congregation, um, obviously with their own children, with their nieces, with their nephews, um, that is, that's remarkable. I love that the sky's the limit for how you can use these stones. Um, and all of these, uh, all these steps are outlined, uh, in the document that I will have linked, um, for this and it's all on your website. And, um, I love the fact that this is accessible to, to every person. So I, I hope that people really, um, check this out. When you experience children sharing some of these deep, deep feelings that you may see that need additional attention, what are the next steps? Where where can people turn or how do you respond to things that may be deeply concerning? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. You know, the first thing is that a crying child is not a child that necessarily needs a psychiatrist. Um, and I think one of the hardest parts about holy listening is to be present and to let the child feel their feelings. Um, sometimes they will get emotional or cry or angry. And, you know, we all learned as children to hold our emotions in. And so it's a really uncomfortable situation. But what you want to watch for is a child that doesn't get better. So um, certainly if a child would ever say, you know, I want to kill myself, I want to hurt myself, you would refer that child immediately. Um, if you're a, a pastor, you know, you would, of course, talk to their parents. But um, if you are that child's parent or grandparent, you would you would get a mental health worker immediately. I mean, we don't mess around with that. 
um, any kind of sexual abuse, anything like that that would ever come out, you, of course, would, would refer that. But I think what you look for in children is a change in personality. So a child that over the course of, of several days, weeks, is just not themselves. I, I, there's a part of this that's really intuitive. So as you're sharing with a child, the stones will go up and down. You know, some they'll be sad, sad, sad. But eventually they start choosing the happy stones again, or they'll throw one in. So a child that only chooses sad stones and, and you've met with them several times, then you might say, you know, this child isn't, it tends to be, look more like an EKG where like if they've just had ice cream, they're happy. And if they had a bad day at school, they're sad. It kind of goes up and down like that. Um, and that's normal emotions. When a child flattens, that's when you want to be really worried about that child. So, and, and always just err on the side of check it out. It will never hurt a child to do the stones. I, I had, when I ran my spirituality center, I had all kinds of children that went to therapists and then they also came to my center because it's just an added listening space. Listening to a child will never hurt a child, but ignoring bigger issues and thinking that that takes care of it, that could hurt a child. So just err on the side of caution. That's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, pastors uh, should have resources in the community and oh, should yeah. know where they can refer on. And if they don't, there's certainly resources at the district or conference level. Oh, yeah. So um, one of the things that you mentioned on your website is that every child, you believe that every child is innately a spiritual being, as we all are. And I think sometimes we overlook the the holiness in each child, the sacredness and those feelings and those connections that they have with God, we, we, it'll look different than, than how we would say our connection is with God. But can you talk a little bit more about that? And, and especially how in these listening stones um, that can come out? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the stones themselves don't have any religious symbols on them. And I did that intentionally because if you're a kid that goes to church and you like your pastor, you try to be like super religious, you know, and so you'll say like, how are you? And they'll be like, Jesus, the stone reminds me of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sure. <laughs> um, so they intentionally don't have that. But um, there is a spirituality in in the process. I am a firm believer the scripture that guides my life um, is where two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be. And so it is a sacred time whenever two people gather, drop their agendas, sit together and hear one another. And so there is a sacredness that happens there. And, and you will feel it when you gather with a child around holy listening stones. It is just sacred. Often they will say, this, this reminds me of God or God is helping me or whatever, but I don't try to push that on them. I don't ask them like, where is God? One of my favorite things to do though with children is to do the stones and then to say, would you like to pray? And they'll either choose a stone that is their prayer, or I give them paper and crayon and we pray by drawing a picture together. Mm, and um, I pray and they pray. And then at the end, it's always, it, it, it amazes me many times that we'll draw the same thing or uh, sort of the same feeling in our drawings. And it just shows that our soul's connected. So I, I think it's lovely after you do the stones to just pray. Sometimes I simply light a candle and say, let's just sit in God's light. This was important. Mm -hmm. And so we just sit together. But um, they get done with the rocks and they say, what's next? 
I think to, to take all those feelings to God is the next most logical thing. It's like, oh, well, we're done. Let's put the rocks in a bag. Let's go get a Coke, whatever. I think to be like, wow, this mattered. And, and I think that we all shame out after we share our feelings. So the prayer gives them time to sit in the presence of God and in your presence and just remember that their feelings are really precious and that's how they were made. And there's nothing to be ashamed about. If you cried, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what? You're a person and God made you to cry. So mm-hmm. I think a lot in that prayer will come out where I think we avoid them shaming out or thinking, um, did I sound stupid or was I vulnerable? Was I weak? All that goes away because once you take that to God and God just affirms that, then we don't shame out. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's nothing in our, when we're in God's presence, there is no shame. Yeah. So, so I think, I think it's really powerful to do that. So that's my favorite part is the prayers and, and, um, and, and the children love it. And again, I give them paper or crayons more than I have them do a word prayer because they say things better withdrawing than they can mm-hmm. with their words. Even teenagers, um, even teenagers, they'll, they'll, they'll draw. You have to have a pencil. You can't give them markers, but <laughs> a pencil and paper and you'll be amazed what teenagers say to God. They are so mm-hmm. deeply spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, when you talk about shaming out after we share our feelings, do you feel like a lot of times it's the adults that are, uh, that it's the adults that haven't dealt with their feelings that they try to project their shame? You know, it's a weird thing. I do think there are adults who can't handle emotions, so they shut it down, which leads to the child feeling like, ooh, I said something I shouldn't have said because obviously Leanne got really tense and she changed the subject. And so they're learning. They're learning. But I think that that it's being vulnerable is just hard. And um, I liken it to like an egg. Like we're eggs. We're little eggs. And we have a shell. And some of us have harder shells than others. But inside, we're pretty goopy. And when we open that shell, we really have to have a lot of trust in the person that we're willing to share that goopiness with because they could scramble us in a moment. So I think with children, when you are that goopy and then you put your shell back on, you look back and you say, wow. I mean, there's just shame. You just feel embarrassed that you felt that, which is the saddest part of our society. Why should any of us feel shame about the feeling? I mean, I've been at funerals. And people say, I'm sorry, I'm crying. What is that? Like, yeah. Or yeah. the other night, somebody called me on the phone and she texted me and said, would you call me back? And I called her and she started sobbing. And then she said, I'm so sorry. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm so honored yeah. that you would yeah. sob with me. So I just think that, I don't know what that is, but I even notice it in dogs. You know, a dog puts that cone on and they feel ashamed. What is that? <laughs> sure. What is So, but I think with children, the goal is to just name it and just keep telling them what you did was important. And I'm honored that you shared your feelings (laughs) with me. Let's change a culture, you know, one set of holy listing stones at a time. Let's just change a culture and make it okay to talk about our feelings. Let's raise kids that say, Mm -hmm. I feel bad. I'm getting my rocks. I'm going to talk about my feelings and life is good. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to feel bad about that. Sure. Up and until now, about three, up until about three, they don't have shame. A three-year-old yeah. has a temper tantrum, feels no shame. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's starting about five, they 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 understand that sometimes sharing your feelings makes people uncomfortable. 
but it's it, they learn it early. Yeah, yeah. So we need to start early, embracing, yeah. affirming, um, affirming that that holy space. And I love what you say. You take all those feelings and then you and then you give it to God. I think that is is so important. And these are excellent, excellent resources. Thank you, oh, thank God. you. So all of this is on your website, leanne-hadley.com. And I'm going to link this. And then you have a podcast coming out. I um, do. Called One Passage. Will you share with us, just you shared earlier with me, but will you share with all, all of our listeners how this is a fantastic take on scripture? Well, I, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I have a podcast if I have the courage to push, you know, <laughs> published. Yes. I, I'm, I'm affirming you. <laughs> Thank you. I know. So the podcast is called One Passage and I just take one passage of scripture. And the way I look at scripture is in a very spiritual, like, how does it speak to me? How does it speak to you? Um, so it's not really a thing about we all have to believe the same. I try to get into the feeling level of the scripture. It's just really simple. And it's especially designed for people who who aren't sure about the Bible. Maybe they've been hurt by the Bible. Maybe you've been, maybe you're a little scared of the Bible. Um, it's for people to just have a safe place to hear my take on the Bible. And then we'll have a place on my website where you can come and chat with me about it. So um, it's just like a, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just a little scripture. Awesome. It's just my stab at, at how I see it. And I don't tend to look at scripture or anything. The It's, you know, we're all unique. It's just my unique take on scripture. I what I hope it'll do is trigger your unique take on sure. scripture and then you'll share it with others. So it's just sort of like a awesome. first step in sharing something about God. We'll see. Just one more, one thing I love about you and your work is that you have so many resources. You put this out for, for pastors, for parents, for grandparents, for aunts, for uncles, ways that we can connect with children and ways that we can bless children by being a blessing in their lives and, and honoring the, the sacred being that they are. And so I am grateful to you and- I, I hope that people will go to your website and your books are phenomenal. Uh, so, and, you know, I would also say that most of my stuff is free. I have a couple books that yes. you have to buy, but if you go to the website, like there's no pop-ups that try to get you to join anything. I'm, I'm, I'm good at taking care of kids. I'm not so good at business, but, um, but so I just give my stuff away and I want you to know that it is You're there awesome. only because I want you to use it. So everybody go there, use what you yes. can and pass it along to other people. Cause there's, there's, there's no catch. It's just, it's just how I do life. You're, you are amazing. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. We hope that you found it helpful. And please go ahead and share this with your family, your friends, your pastors. Like and review us and then look for the new podcast next week as we continue to dig deeper into care with children and guardians and caretakers. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.